can I get all the kiddos to come forward, kiddos and kiddos at heart? Yeah, y'all can just take a seat. Well, like, leave me a little room in here. Here, like, maybe right there. Yeah, leave me a little room. That's good. So, and I'm not just preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to them too, right? You with me? Yeah. So, if I were to start that reading that I just read, or if I were to start a reading in church that I just read, and I said something like, and then the dragon swept down out of the sky and grabbed all the kids' Halloween candy and flew off. What would you think? You'd be mad, right, because your Halloween candy's gone? Would you maybe be thinking like, wait a minute, Jimmy, I think there's more to this story than you shared with us. Yes? How do we know that we're at the very beginning of a story when we hear a story read? What's that phrase? Once upon a time, right? Do you remember that? Yeah. So sometimes we hear these stories that are read in church and we don't even know that we're joining this story like right in the middle or right at the very end. And if we don't have the story that, that starts the whole story, we can lose our place in the story and not really understand what's going on. So you know it's at the very beginning of the story when we hear that phrase, right, Maggie, once upon a time. In the Bible, it starts a little differently. It doesn't say once upon a time, but it does say in the very beginning right at the very beginning. And in order for us to understand what's happening here in Luke's Beatitudes, these blesseds that we have, we have to go back to the very beginning of the story to get the full meaning, to get the weight and depth of exactly what's going on. So at the very beginning of the story, when it says in the beginning, God's doing what? God's creating, God's making the earth. And there are these beats in the story that we hear. We could even call them chapters. On the first day, God does this great work of sorting out the light and the dark. And then it's all, it's all separated and it's becoming clear. And then God steps back and God uses this word. It's a very important word. The word in Hebrew is called tov, but the word that we use, that we hear in English is good. Do you remember this? Do you remember the beats of the creation story? There's seven beats, and six of those beats are characterized by tov, by goodness. God separates the light from the day. The light from the dark steps back and says it's good. God separates the heavens from the earth and the water below. 
and steps back and says, it's good. And then God creates all these creatures, creatures that crawl on the ground like elk and buffalo and pronghorn and mule deer. Also the birds of the sky like the eagles and the ravens, the fish in the water and the sea like fine spotted snake, river, cutthroat, trout. Yes, and then steps back from that and says, ah, it's good. There are these six beats of goodness that we have at the very beginning of the story. And then on the seventh day, do you remember what happens on the seventh day? What does God do? Takes a nap, right? Takes a break from all this creating that God does. And when we hear that story read, we get attached to that because we live our lives like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes, you know this rhythm? Yeah, you know it, right? That's not how the story reads, though. The story reads one, two, three, four, five, six, and then it's all sevens. It's all sevens after that. And God changes the word that God uses on that seventh day. It goes from good to what? Not to bad. It goes from good to blessed. What we're supposed to hear as readers and studiers of this Jewish Christian story is that on that seventh day, God proclaims that what is good is now blessed. What is good is so much more than good. And from here on out, it's all sevens. It's all blessing. Okay. Y'all still with me over here? Still with me? Okay. So then we're going to fast forward. We're going to skip a bunch of the story, and we're going to get to Jesus. But we're not going to get to Jesus on this morning, Luke chapter 6. We're going to get to Jesus, Luke chapter 5, because it's important for us to know what happens first. So right before we hear the story that we hear, stuff is going down with Jesus. Jesus is out and about. He's healing people who are sick. He's teaching. He's reading the, the story uh, uh, that, that the Israel, Israelite people have heard year in and year out. And he's interpreting that. And people are attracted. They're like, wow, he's a good teacher. He's a great teacher. He's an amazing teacher healer. He's able to do all these amazing things, except there are a few people who are like, I don't think so. This is too much. This is beginning to shake the foundations of what we know. This guy, Jesus, is getting a little too much power, so they begin to criticize them. And then he tells this story. He tells this story about having a dress that has a hole in it and it's mended by a patch 
But here's the deal. The dress is made of wool and the patch is made of polyester. And then the religious people go crazy because that was forbidden. If you had a wool dress and you got a hole in that wool dress, you better patch it with wool. And then he comes back to him and he says like, hey, just so you know, the person who makes wine doesn't put new wine in old wineskins. The person who makes apple juice doesn't get a fresh batch of apple juice and then put it in a cup that has a bunch of holes in it. Unless you people, us, Israel, others, begin to think more broadly, more expansively about what God's kingdom is like, it's going to pass you by. And then he does something crazy, crazy. So the sixth chapter opens up with the story of Jesus and his disciples going to church. And the story has them walking through a field. And as they walk through this field, they're plucking grain off plants and they're eating it. Yeah, they're having breakfast on the way to church. Did y'all have breakfast this morning? Yeah, me too. Well, here's the deal. Having breakfast, making your own breakfast before church back then was against the rules. It was completely forbidden. And here comes Jesus and all his pals and they're picking their own breakfast, making their own breakfast in the morning. And the, the religious people go crazy. They're so upset by this because it's against the rules. And then the very next beat of what he does, he goes into church right there, full of the breakfast he's just made for himself. He sees a man with a withered hand, with a hand that's hurt and broken, and he's not able to use it. And Jesus comes up to this man right in the middle of church. He puts his hands on him and he heals this man. Seems nice, right? Yeah. yeah, so nice. But you know what? The religious people went even more crazy because you were not allowed to heal someone's hand on Sunday in church. It was against the rules. No making your own breakfast. No healing people on Sunday in church. But Jesus, doing it anyway, right? Trying to show us something. And then we get to this place where Jesus grabs this word, this seventh day word, blessing. And he says, you know, if you're poor, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, if you're having the hardest time that you have ever had in your entire life, I am here to tell you that you are blessed. And then he says, hey, anybody hungry in here? I mean, not me and my disciples because we made our own breakfast when we got here, right? Now he's really in a different place. But he says, hey, if you're hungry, I want you to know that you are blessed. If you're sad, I want you to know 
that you are blessed. So typically, we don't think of people who are struggling, people who are hungry, and people who are sad as being blessed, right? But when we think back to that seventh day and we think back to that word blessing, we know that what God is saying is it's not just good. It's blessed. It's way more than good. And sometimes our own imaginations might even limit what we think of, of with, that we think that blessing is. You know, we might feel sad and we might feel down. And Jesus is like, you might be sad and you might be down and you might be struggling and you might be hungry, but you are so much more than struggle, sadness, hunger. So much more. And then Luke's Jesus, this story that we have for today, he does something a little bit different. He really wants to rattle the cages. He really wants to make us think differently. And he uses this word. We really didn't hear it in, in the translation that we read but because the translation that we read kind of soft pedals it a little bit. But he's like, woe to you. If you have everything you need, woe to you if your life is going just like it you think it should be. Woe to you if everything is smooth and easy seven days a week. But there's a little trick on that word, too. It, it comes from this older story. There was this guy. He's what we call a minor prophet. Do you know what a minor prophet is? I do you do? I don't think you do. I barely do. It's cool. Here's the deal. I know what it is. It's not important for the story, okay? His name is Amos. Amos lives during a time when everything in Israel is going fine. It's not a recession. It's a boom time. Everything is going fine. And Amos, Amos has this wonderful nickname. It's the perfect nickname for a boom time prophet. Do you know what it is? Does anybody remember? Amos is the tender of sycamores. So the garden that Amos tends is a garden of trees that take care of themselves, right? It's like this really easy thing to do. So Amos comes in and he says like, oh no, woe to you if you think everything's smooth. We've got to live into this blessing that God is bringing us. And Jesus, Luke's Jesus, picks up this woe. And sometimes when we talk about blessing, we talk about blessing versus cursing, like you're blessed or you're cursed. This is not really the meaning of this word. What this word really means, the, uh, the, the best way to describe it for us is alas. Like alas. It's a word that's attached to human grief. It's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sad. If you think the very best in life is the wealth that you have or the power that you have or life going smoothly because life is so much more than that. Blessing is an extension of goodness 
that extends way beyond what our minds and our hearts oftentimes imagine. And so what are we taking away from this wild story this morning in church? Here's what I think we're taking away. We're taking away a sense that, you know, perhaps we have it all figured out. We're challenging our own assumptions about what good is. We're inviting God deeper into our lives, expanding the possibility of what goodness and blessing really looks like. We're opening ourselves up to this much bigger universe where God is still in that seventh day and we are in the seventh day with God continually creating blessing. You got that? I think you do, CJ. Yep. So as we walk in to a new day, as we engage on this seventh day, but prepare in the human way to walk back into Monday, day one, maybe in our minds, we think tomorrow morning when we wake up, no, it's all lucky sevens from here. Cool? 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 